One of the scariest and most anxiety-inducing books I ever read was a book called The Consultant. It's, the story revolves around this person, a consultant, who was hired to come and bring a company back on track after they suffered some heavy losses and the company was on the way down. But what people expected and what they got out of this guy was com completely different. This guy came into the company and he set up a culture of fear and intimidation and that's how he led. He basically monitored his staff in every aspect of their lives, both their professional and private aspects. He monitored their computers. He had people stand with every employee and take note of how much they are working and how much of time they are wasting. He even put cameras all over the company, all over the buildings. Now, on one hand, you could say ultimately he did get the results, but on the other hand, <laughs> Nobody wants to work in an environment like that. People were terrified of him. People were literally terrified and they hated their jobs. Look, they got the job done, but what's the point when you hate every aspect of your life, when you are completely stressed at work? Now, although this consultant story is purely fictional and no company is that bad, trust me, there's no company that is that uses that level of intimidation and stress on, on the staff. But there is still a lot of stress at work. A lot of people experience a lot of stress and we don't realize how bad this is. We don't realize how much harm this is doing, not just to our mental and emotional health, but also to our physical health. Remember, we work for about 80,000 hours in our lives. I mean, if you start working at the age of 20 and you retire at around 60, that's 40 years of work, 80,000 years, 80,000 hours, and almost a third of your life are spent at work. So it's crucially important that you ensure that the stress you experience at work is minimized and what little stress you do feel is managed. But there's something you need to keep in mind also, which is that there's no perfect stress-free environment anywhere in the world. Take my own example. I had the experience of working in other companies and also running my own business. When I worked for other companies, it had its own kinds of stress. The major stress there was internal company politics, poor work culture, not being able to realize my own vision. And then so I started my own business where I could control all of those things. I could control the work culture. I could de determine a work culture. I could, uh, I could run my business in accordance to my own vision. But guess what? It has its own stress. Entrepreneurship is stressful. There are different types of stress. And to me, being an entrepreneur, running my own business and, and making sure that my vision is realized in the way that I would like to makes it all definitely worth it. But still, I need to manage the stress. Otherwise, this stress is going to make me counterproductive at work. The more I let myself get stressed, the less productive I become. And as the CEO of the company, if I'm unproductive, if my mind is cluttered, if I'm constantly stressed and I'm getting sick and running to the doctor, it's going to affect everyone in the business, not just my staff, but my students also. So it's something that you need to keep in mind also that when you are stressed out at work, you're causing yourself a major, major harm. Stress is a killer, but what causes it? Now, 
the best analogy I could come up with is the law of thermodynamics, right? So let's go into physics. In the law of thermo, the second law of thermodynamics, uh, more or less what it states is that when you have a closed system and that system is left alone, then over time entropy builds up and that entropy leads to chaos and that chaos leads to decay. Now here's an easy example, your bedroom. If you don't make the effort to clean your bedroom regularly, what happens is your bedroom becomes more and more dirty, more and more cluttered until such a point it just becomes one chaotic mess. And just being in there or trying to find something in your bedroom becomes almost impossible. It's the same case with a, with a garden. If you don't take care of a garden, then weeds start cropping up, then bugs start moving in, your flowers start dying or your veggies start dying and then you, 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 you're left with nothing more than a, a bush. That's all that would be left. Now, take that analogy and extend it to your mind. Our minds are closed systems and every day of our lives we are experiencing different thoughts and different feelings and these are accumulating. They could be happy thoughts or sad thoughts, they could be things relating to our, our work life, our relationships, our children, money matters. So these thoughts are always sort of spinning inside our heads like a washing machine. Now if these thoughts are not regularly ordered, if they're not sorted out, they start inclining towards entropy and that entropy uh, inclines towards chaos and chaos in your mind is stress. That's what causes stress. Now at work, a lot of times we might have a, a negative encounter with a, a, uh, a colleague, for example. And you notice how when that happens, maybe there's an exchange of words in the boardroom or in the corridors, how that affects you for hours, if not days afterwards. What is that? That is the thought of that unpleasantness, maybe the regret of that unpleasant uh, incident, maybe some things that you said that were unpleasant or that were said to you that were unpleasant. These thoughts are bouncing inside your head like a pinball. And trust me, when those thoughts are left on their own, just bouncing around, all they do is they cause more chaos and that more chaos leads to stress. Another analogy I can think of for the mind is like a computer. The computer has RAM, right? So RAM stands for random access memory. Now random access memory is where most of the thinking of the, of the computer goes on. Now if you have too many programs open inside your computer, for example too many browser tabs or too many uh, uh, software uh, applications open, so you've got a word processor and you're watching a video and you've got YouTube open and you've got uh, a video editing software open, what do you think is going to happen to your computer? It'll start overheating and it'll start slowing down. The performance will drop. Now our minds are like that also. When there's too much going on inside the mind, what happens? It doesn't perform optimally. It starts becoming overheated, overloaded, and then you notice what happens. You start, you start withdrawing more and more into yourself. And those thoughts just keep playing back and forth, back and forth, like a crazy, crazy record that's just scratched and it's broken. Now that's not just stress, but that can lead to insanity. It can lead to anxiety, fear, insanity. And often, what do we do when we experience all that? 
we go to a therapist to try and unravel those thoughts or take some drugs or go to our gadgets, maybe go home, relax in front of Netflix or pull out the phone, social media, spend hours on social media just to escape. So it's digital escape or uh, drug escape. Sometimes it's legal drugs, sometimes illegal drugs. And we find different, you know, different uh, outlets for that. But all we are doing when that happens, remember, is we're just covering it up. That wall is damp. Putting a fresh paint, uh, fresh coat of paint over it is not going to sort out that damp. You need to sort out the damp first. Then you can paint that wall. Now, it's the same with our minds. We have all of these confused thoughts. We have this chaos, this entropy going on inside our heads. The only way, the only way to resolve it is not to try and run away from it through our gadgets. In fact, I've come across some research, some interesting research where they say that social media actually exacerbates your anxiety. It makes you more anxious. And if you're not anxious, it will make you anxious. So limit your time on social media and get to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is all of those thoughts and all of those emotions that are happening inside you that are left unresolved, that are cluttered, that are spinning around like a washing machine, that are causing chaos inside that mind. And when you resolve that, when you fix that, you'll notice that the stress is coming down. You'll notice that as the stress comes down, 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 your mind starts getting more and more and more and more clear, like a person cleaning a window from outside, a dirty glass. As that squeegee goes up and down, it's so satisfying to see that window getting more and more clear. And that's what's going to happen to your mind. Recently, I was asked to come and speak at a school, uh, particularly to the grades 10, 11 and 12 boys because the school felt that these kids were the most impassionate, lost human beings that they had ever encountered. They felt like these kids were just shuffling through life. They had no spark inside them. They had no ambition inside them. And they wanted me to speak to these kids. So I went and I spoke to them. But in the course of that talk, the teachers and the principal found something unusual. They found that this very same impassionate a lot of students were suddenly very energized and not just energized but they were speaking passionately and they were also very very responsive so they were taken aback now you young people let me tell you something when people tell you that you are lost that you are lazy that you are lacking passion in life that you don't have a direction when you hear things like, you know, they don't make them like they used to, listen to me, ignore those people, ignore them, because you are none of that. That's not you. The problem is that you haven't found your passion. You haven't found what ignites that passion in you. You haven't found what makes you excited. And all I did when I spoke to those kids is that I spoke about things that do make them excited. I know what kind of things makes them excited. You know, when you talk technology, when you talk gadgets, when you talk about what's going on in the world, they love that. And all I did was throw that topic at them. Now you are the same. You have certain things that you are passionate about. 
But unfortunately, there's two problems that you are facing. One is that you've never been taught, 12 years of school and you've never been taught how to recognize yourself, how to recognize what you are truly passionate about. And I do this when I go to schools, I speak to them about what makes them a tick, what, what, what are their passions. And nine out of 10 kids can't describe for the life of them, even if I had to hold a gun to their heads, they can't describe what they are truly passionate about. Why? Because you've never been taught. You know, uh, I think it was Aristotle who said, know thyself. And today we don't know ourselves. Our minds are cluttered with all sorts of other, uh, other things. But do we take time to think about ourselves? When was the last time you took time to think about who you are and what your passions are? Forget everyone else. Forget for the time being your parent, your partner, your children, your co-workers, your boss, your, your staff. Forget all of them and think about you, the individual. Who are you? You ever thought of that? I doubt it. So that's what happened with these kids and that's what, what's happening to most of you. You don't know what you are passionate about, number one. And the second thing is, you are living someone else's life. Yeah, you are living someone else's life. In other words, you are trying to please someone else. Yesterday I spoke to a dad who called me and said, look, my daughter wants to do dentistry, but I'm not really sure that she likes it because she's a clean freak. And I can't imagine her looking down other people's mouths the whole day, every day of her life as a career. So I asked him then what made her decide on dentistry of all things. And he gave me the most surprising, well, not so surprising for me, but the most depressing answer. He said, it's because her uncle is a dentist and he had some nice things to say about dentistry and how much of money dentists make. So she's now motivated by that. So it's the uncle that's influencing her. Child, are you going to live your uncle's life or is he going to live your life? Are you going to listen to your uncle in every aspect of your life? Or your mom, or your dad, or your teacher, or your neighbor, or whoever? Or are you going to live your own life? Are you going to tell, are you going to let someone else tell your story? Or are you going to tell your own story? So forget that. Forget about what others are telling you. Live your own life. Find your own passion and live your life according to that passion. Find a career that is related to that passion. It might seem the most silly, ridiculous, mundane things, but I know of people who had a passion for something and they followed that passion and they are successful. And by success, I don't just mean money. Money will come. You know, my dad used to always tell me, never chase money, never chase money. Chase your passion, money will come. In other times you would say, chase quality and quality and service, money will come. And so when I found myself working in certain companies, in certain environments, there was no passion. There was no real drive to go to work every day. But when I started my own business, through all the challenges, through all the difficulties, I love every moment of it. So like I say, entrepreneurship is difficult and we, we've been through some really, really rough times in my business. Like there were times when we lost hundreds of thousands of rands. There were times when 
my students, there was a one student, this was the most stressful time I think in my business so far, when she had survived an attempted rape. There were times when we took on clients that were absolute bullies and they were so bad that I had, I went through like four project managers and that was extremely stressful. I went through times when my team messed up so badly that we completely lost face with our clients. But through all of that, because I am passionate about this business, it pushed me along. That passion is what carried me. You know, it's something that, that Rumi said. There's a, there's a quote that I got from, from Rumi. He said that, let yourself be silently drawn by the strange pull of what you love. It will not lead you astray. Let yourself be pulled by the strange pull of what you truly love. It will never lead you astray. So forget what others are saying. Focus on you, your passion and what you do. That's the best way to live a life with minimal stress. And what stress you do experience will be easily handled and it won't become so bad that it affects you mentally, physically. I've been there. Trust me, I've been in situations where I was getting so sick and going to the doctor so frequently that my doctor really became concerned about me. He's my doctor as well as my friend. And he sent me for blood tests. He sent me for x-rays. There was a time he even feared I might have some kind of cancer. But really, at the end of it, it was because I was working in a very stressful place. And I had people that I worked with who were stressing me out completely. And this was leading to all kinds of, of physical, physical health issues let alone mental health, emotional health. It was affecting my relationships also. But then when I started my own business, through all the stress, I don't know when was the last time I was sick. I don't know when was the last time I went to the doctor. And that too, I recall saying to my doctor, or him saying to me, that I'm seeing you after a very long time. So I told him, you know, that's, it's unfortunate in a sense because you're my friend, but it's also fortunate in a sense that you are my doctor and the less I see of you, means the better is my overall health. So it was getting out of that stress that enabled me or getting out of that, that job that enabled me to manage my stress. But sometimes that's not always an option for everyone. Sometimes you have to, you have to hold, hold on, you have to hang in there. But then my question is, what is your long-term plan for you? Now, when I speak to people about stress and I ask them, really, what, what is stressing you out? I found that there's four major stresses in our lives, really, four major stresses. The one is, believe it or not, the thing that stresses people the most is unresolved issues. Trust me, there is nothing more stressful than an unresolved issue in your mind and by unresolved issues I mean issues of all kinds and I'll take an example of the most mundane imagine you are watching a movie and you just come to the climactic part of the movie and the uh, the you know it's the part where things start turning around and everything is resolved and the power fails at that point how stressed do you feel you feel that 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 the most important part, you've endured the entire story, you've been through the stress of that story, you've been through the anxiety, and just, 
you know, just when that tension is about to be released, the power goes out. Or the story ends and they say to be continued. And that's the favorite part of, of movie and the series producers, right? Right at that point, they'll cut it and they'll say, right, continue next week. Now we know how we feel. Now it's the same with every aspect of life. If there are tasks that need to be done that you've been putting off, procrastinating, procrastinating, if there are matters in your relationships, work relationships, home, family, your partner, your, your children, if there are issues that are unresolved, those are stressing you out. Trust me, just like mold forming in the bread, those are, uh, they are, they are form forming like mold inside your head. They are fermenting inside your head and they are stressing you out. So what do you do? You tackle those tasks. Second, regrets. Regrets of the past. Now, a few episodes ago, I spoke about owning your past. And one of the reasons you need to own your past is because regrets of the past are what are stressing you out. And that stress is doing what? Guess what? It's holding you back from the future. It's holding you back from future success. The third one is worries. You know what Bobby McFerrin used to say? Don't worry, be happy. Now there's more truth to that than just the song, you know? The, the truth to that is when you start worrying about things that didn't happen yet, if you start concerning yourself with what-if scenarios, if you become Mr. or Miss worst-case scenario, then you're, you're just going down a black hole, right? You're just hurting yourself in in really, really uh, fundamental ways because there's no end to those worries. It could be worries about anything and everything and then some more. There's no end to it. So what you need to do is to just stop worrying about those things. Just stop worrying about those things. And finally, the, the, the major stressor is unfulfilled dreams. Man, the number of people who I meet who just live lives where they have dreams, they have things they wanted to do, they wanted to do something professionally, personally, hobbies, travel, things they wanted to do for their, for their partners, their children. They never fulfilled those dreams. That said, I was reading a story about that was written by a nurse, a factual story, who worked at a at a hospice and she was present when a lot of the patients breathed their last and she had that last conversation with them and she asked them what they regretted most in life and sadly it was the things that they had never done not the things they did it was the things that they had never done so if you did some stuff in your life that you regret, maybe you should be glad that you did them. Otherwise, you would have been faced with another regret that you didn't do those things. Okay, so we know that stress is killing you and stress is keeping you from achieving your true potential. But how do you get rid of the stress? So number one, and this is advice I got from a qualified psychologist. She said, get in the habit of writing things down. You see all that, that noise and clutter inside your head? Whatever is there, dump it onto a piece of paper. And I don't mean type it. 
and she was very particular about this, she said, write it. Because scientists found that there's a unique neurological link between your brain and your hand. So when you, when you write, it's somehow more effective than typing it or uh, dictating it. Today we've got dictation technology also. So just regularly do a mind dump. Now people call this journaling. I think journaling is something a little more structured and a little more regular. What, uh, what I'm referring to is if and when the situation arises that you find that your mind is a bit cluttered, just write it down. Just write it. It doesn't have to be regular. If you are journaling, then that's even better. So that's the first thing. The second thing is once you've dumped everything onto paper, categorize it now. Put it into separate categories because now it's in front of you. It's in black and white. It's under your control. Now you can start pushing these things into separate, separate categories and not just categories. The third thing you can do is prioritize now. See what is important now and what is important later and start working on the priorities. And for those things that you don't know how to go about doing them, that's where the fourth point comes in, that you figure out how to do it. How do you figure things out? You go and learn. You go on YouTube. You go on, um, uh, on forums. You go and ask people and you, f and you figure things out. And in that way, you will fix that. And finally, very important, and I keep saying this and it comes up a lot in my conversations, meditate. There is nothing better than meditation to strengthen your focus and strengthen your mind. And when you add focus to any work, then you are, you are adding exponential power to that work because that level of focus will take that work to the next level. So when you meditate for what, 15, 20 minutes a day, what you are trying to do is to keep your mind clear of stray thoughts. And if you can achieve this, if you can achieve keeping your mind clear of stray thoughts for 20 minutes flat, then that is a mind that you can control. Throughout the day, you will be able to control what kind of thoughts come in your head and what thoughts do not come in your head. So if you sit down to do some work, some deep work, some deep thinking work, you will have the control to push away all sorts of internal distractions. Remember the distractions start in there and then they go to the cell phone. It's not the cell phone that's always distracting us. That's the wrong. People think they, they lead themselves to believe that it's the phone that's causing the distraction. It's not. It's your mind that is looking for that distraction and then it looks to the phone. Otherwise, it could be anything. You could look out the window, see a bird flying and just get caught up with that. Just stare at the bird or think about somebody or something. But that's where meditation comes in. It helps you control your mind. But not only that, I found that when I meditate in the mornings, it has an overall calming effect on me. I find that my mind is slowing down, my heart rate is slowing down, and I start feeling a lot more, a lot more at ease and a lot more in control. So try that out. All right, so that's all I have to say today, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, but remember, stress is a major killer. Control it. Control it and you'll be a much, much happier person. I'll see you next week.